All right, so tonight we're going to start in Galatians chapter 3. And we are going to study what one preacher called the indestructible Jew. The indestructible Jew. And their place in the last things or in the end times. So we're going to go over this. And some of this will be review for some of you. And it might be new to others. And by the end of this little segment of our study, we're going to end up talking about how God is going to preserve the remnant of Israel through the tribulation and preserve them from the Antichrist. And uh, we'll follow them all the way to the point of their deliverance at the Lord's second coming. So, But first, we have to begin at the beginning. The Scriptures give us three classes of people in these last days. So, Galatians 3, 26 and 27 is what we're looking at in 28 right in there. But there's three classes of people. And those are the Jew. The Jew first. The Jew first. And then you have the Gentile. The Gentile was the, all of the human race except the Jew. So anyone in the world that's not a Jew. So this is, these are the nations of the world. Gentiles. That's what you were before you got saved. You were a Gentile. Then you have the church of God. That's the biblical terminology. The church of God. And to see this, you just look at Galatians chapter 3. Those are three distinct classes or groups of people. Now in the church of God... As we're going to read here in these verses, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. So, verse 26, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. That's the only way to become a child of God, is by placing your faith, your trust, wholeheartedly, 100% in Jesus Christ, His atonement on the cross. That means that a Jew is not a child of God until... They get in the church of God in the church age. So just because they're a Jew, yes, that's God's chosen people, specifically the nation of Israel. Yes, that's God's chosen people, but they're not a child of God unless they're in Christ Jesus in the church age. Verse 27, For as many of you as have been baptized, not water baptism, baptized into Christ... Have put on Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 13. That's spirit baptism. That's what happens when you trust Jesus as your Savior. You are placed into the body of Christ. You're immersed into. There's no water in the whole chapter. It has nothing to do with water. Yeah. Baptized into Christ. Have put on Christ. You don't put on Christ when you get in the water. That happens when the Spirit places you into Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither 
male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, why does Paul say Jew nor Greek? Greek is there in the place of Gentile, but why does he say Greek? Well, back in that time, there were Jews who were called Hellenists. That means that they adopted the Greek culture, which was like all the rage back then. You know, the, the world hasn't changed. It was just as busy back in the time when Paul wrote Romans as it is now. It was just as corrupt back there in Romans, in the time of Rome, at that stage in their development, as it is now. We are just like Rome near the end when Rome fell. But back then, the sort of conservative Jew, if you can imagine it like that, conservative liberal, the conservative Jew kept all the culture of what it meant to be a Jew, and they did not want to be like the Greeks and be Hellenized, become like a Greek in culture, in dress, in the way you talked. And so they would consider a Hellenized or, or, or a Greek Jew, uh, somebody who's following that culture, to be like a liberal. And then the conservatives would be like the, the Hebrew Jew, who, who rejected the, the culture of the world around them. So Rome was very much influenced by Greece and the culture that was before them. You know, but so he's saying there's neither Jew nor Greek in the body of Christ. And then all the Gentiles that got saved and were brought into the body of Christ, they were very much Greek in their culture. Okay, so Paul is trying to like, he's trying to deal with like, uh, uh, they, they were segregating, you know, they were, they were basically, you know, it was like prejudice that they had against one another. Paul said, put all that away because all that's gone. In Christ, there's neither male nor female, you know, spiritually in the body of Christ, because you're all one spiritually in Christ Jesus. So that's the church of God, and that's the way it is today. That's the way it is today. You know, you're you're either a heathen, <laughs> you know, or you're you're in the church. You're either a Jew or a heathen. Or you're in the church. So, all the human race, all the human race, if they're not inside the church, they're one of those two. When did the Jews start? Do you remember? We were looking at that. When did the Jewish nation start? And the Jewish race no, we don't like to talk like that, but it's still there. Yes, we're all of one blood. And we're all part of the human race, but there's God started a different race. When did that start? Remember we, we said back here in 4004, that's Adam and Eve. So up shows Adam. And then uh, right about here, the cross. That's zero. Yeah. So, right here at about 2000 BC, God calls a man named Abram out of his land. A yeah, who, whose name is eventually changed to Abraham. So, back in Genesis 12, we might as well look at it. Genesis 12. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Right before that. That's right. And then God, God uh, calls this one man, which eventually we know is Abraham. But he calls him out of his homeland. And, and, and all of his people, they were Gentiles. You know, at, at that time, that's all you had, was basically pagans all over the world. Uh, what I mean by that is that they had let go of the knowledge that they had back here with Adam, that there was only one true God, the Creator God. They let go of that knowledge, and uh, they started to worship many gods. So they had, as we talked about, uh, a God for the sun, a God for war, and so on. So that stuff is ancient, and... and and it finds all of those mystery religions, those world religions, they find their beginnings back at the Tower of Babel before Abram. So, God calls Abraham for a very specific purpose. He comes out of a bunch of pagan idolaters, and God says, I want one man to separate himself. That's all I want is one man. So, Abram went up out of Egypt. Excuse me, I'm in... Chapter 13. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. Does anybody remember where Abram was when God called him to come out? Ur of the Chaldees. It's basically where... Babylon was when Daniel was carried away. You know, Daniel and three Hebrew children, they were taken over to uh, where today is modern day Iraq. So, so he, he says, come out of your country and from your kindred. You see that? From thy father's house. I don't want anything to do with your, your kindred, your kin, your family. I don't want anything to do with them. I can't use them. Unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. You see that? God's going to make a nation. So, right here we have these two rivers, the Euphrates, the Tigris River. What we have call here is the Gulf of, uh, it's slipping my mind, I wasn't planning on talking about this. But today, this is, the, uh, this is Iraq, and there's a gulf here, and I forget what it's called. That's terrible. But here, right up here is Abraham. He's up here in Ur. And the Lord says, I want you to leave. And the Lord says, I want you to go. And so he heads out this way. And then over here, you have the Mediterranean Sea, or the Great Sea. And then you have this land right here. And that's where God's going to take him to. And he's going to go out of here. He's supposed to go up here and move up the Fertile Crescent where you can travel. This is all desert land. He wouldn't make it through. Yeah. And then travel over to here where you see, you know, you have the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea down there. And, uh, well, that's bothering me. I can't remember the name of that, that gulf there. But the Lord calls him to go out. Just one guy. Why does he want just one man? Because all his people are corrupt. They have rejected the knowledge of the one true God. And God wants Abram to start a new nation. And he says, I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. That's been America for many years. 
and curse him that curseth thee. You see, the president's bringing down a curse upon his head, upon our government, and uh, and we'll we'll uh, reap for that for where we've sown. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. We're all blessed and faithful, Abraham. Okay, so that is the beginning of the Hebrew people. So from Abraham's descendants come the Hebrew people, but then something else happens right up here around uh, 1500 B.C., and you have Moses. Remember the great deliverer? And God calls Moses to take the descendants of Abraham. Abraham had a son whose name was Isaac, and a grandson whose name was Jacob. Jacob, he had trouble, didn't he? All those women he had. But he had 12 sons. And from those 12 sons, 12 tribes, right? And so all those people, they all end up going down into Egypt, remember? To survive a famine and so on, Joseph and all that. But then, when they were all down in Egypt and they multiplied, and then God sent Moses to deliver his people. So about 1500 B.C., just roughly, Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt, and when that happens, that's the birth of the nation. That's when they're brought under a covenant, uh, and, uh, and then you have Mount Sinai, and the Ten Commandments given shortly after that. So, this is the beginning of the Hebrew people. This is the birth of the nation at the Exodus. That's a new nation. And what is the purpose of that nation? Well, just, just briefly, they were given unconditional promises, like Genesis 12. That's an unconditional promise given to Abraham that God would make of him a great nation. That promise was given later to Isaac and then later to his grandson Jacob. And they were supposed to be a witness to God. Remember? In their their history, the preservation of the Jewish people is what one man called a miracle of history. It's incredible. How do they still exist after all these years? After being persecuted and after being taken from their homeland, taken from their culture, and scattered all over the world. How is it possible? No other nation, I mean, people who study history, they say no other nation could withstand this and still have their own people, their own culture, and now they're brought back into their own land. It's an amazing thing. They, they really are the indestructible Jew. Think of all the great things that God did for them. You know, the, the burning bush with Moses. That really is the emblem of what it means to be a Jew. A bush on fire but not consumed. Israel has been like a burning bush on fire but not consumed. Think of the Holocaust. I mean, you had one wild crazy devil-filled man trying to destroy Israel in our modern day. Can you also say that they are a country of war? And they war helped strengthen them through God. Mm-hmm. Made it where they could survive. Yes, yeah. And uh, somebody has called that little piece of land right here that would become their land, Israel. They've called that a deadly piece of dirt because there's been so many wars fought over this. Right here. And still doing it. Yes. Still doing it. Persian golf. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Appreciate that. I don't know why I always have a hard time remembering that. 
Persian Gulf. So, uh, yeah, think of all the great things. You know, the Red Sea divided uh, and parted, the crossing of the Jordan, the, the wilderness journey, God daily prote- protecting them, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire. You know, as they wandered around in the wilderness, their garments and their shoes didn't, didn't get old. They continued to be useful and serviceable. Fed them with manna. Yeah, just, you could just go on and on and on. All of these miraculous things that God did for them. Think about the great people that came from Israel. Uh, you know, Abraham, Moses. Abraham is recognized by three major world religions as being their founder. So think of the, the great people that came, not to mention, and definitely not the least, but the greatest, the man of Galilee, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you had Paul, you know, great man there. Uh, think of this. We wouldn't have a Bible today if it weren't for the Jews. Because every author in this book is a Jew. It's a Hebrew. So, uh, a lot of things came from the Jews. Um, they are, if you would look at Romans chapter 3, they have a great advantage, the Jews do, over the Gentiles. That's why I put them on top. What advantage does the Jew have? If everybody is all collectively uh, put in unbelief, put in the same boat together as being unbelieving, as being sinners, like the Bible says, Romans 3.23, all have sinned. Everybody's in the same condition today, spiritually, but the Jew has an advantage. And Paul talks about that. Uh, their advantage in Romans chapter 3, verse 1, is... Uh, you know, what, what profit is there of being of the circumcision or being a Jew? Paul says, much every way, in verse 2, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Paul says, in every way, they have an advantage. But specifically, he brings out the point that through them were, were committed the oracles of God, the Scriptures. That's another phrase for the Bible or Scriptures. Um, so, all of those great writers in the Old Testament and then up on into the New Testament. So, how can we account for their preservation as a nation? Because you think about it, the Hittites, they don't exist anymore. The Canaanites, they don't exist anymore. Is it because um, God said that they would be his people and they are the apple of his eye and he says his word will not come back void? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, there's other nations that didn't help them. Think about the great power of Egypt, the pharaohs, they, they're in the, buried in the sand of the desert. They're gone. But the Jews still exist because God promised them that he would use them and said that they would exist. You think about it, put America back here in 1500 B.C. America is not even going to make it 500 years. You realize that. America won't even exist for 500 years. They've been existing for 3,500 years. Israel. I mean, yes, there was a time when they were out of their land. But God brought them back into their land. And there's been a rebirth of the nation of Israel. Just incredible. So, for what purpose then? Why do they still exist? We've answered the question. Because the Bible said they would. Because God promised. 
And the, what, what is the purpose of them? Just briefly, um, God has a great work for them to do. In the first place, they were supposed to teach that there's one true God. That's why God had to take one man out and teach him about who he is so that this one man could be a witness to the one true God and then a nation to witness to the one true God. Okay, And then think about this. Well, you know, we could say a lot about that, but just think, you wouldn't have a Muslim today that believed in one true God if you didn't first have the Jew. Because the Jew came before them, and the Muslims carried the, the message of the Old Testament. They basically, you know, they're, they're uh, plagiarist, and they took the Jewish Old Testament and made their own book with the Quran. But anyways, they believe in one true God. We do as, as Christians today. So The second thing that God does through, through the Jew is that God's people wrote the Bible, preserved the Bible, and kept it for us. The third thing that, that God has used Israel to do is that through Israel would come the Savior of the world. We studied that last week as well. And then the fourth thing is that God used Israel, used His book, to preserve the world morally and for moral purification. For many years, this country had the Ten Commandments hanging on the walls of schools, courthouses. Where did those morals come from? You know, they came from God. Now we've thrown those moral like standards out, and people are definitely acting like it. Just they taught kids that were animals, and they're acting like animals. You know, but not just kids, adults. Okay, so it was the adults in the '60s that started it. <clears throat> but anyways. What's the purpose of Israel? To preserve the world. And salvation is of the Jews. John chapter 4, verse 22. You realize that? Don't hate Israel. Don't hate the Jews. Because salvation is of the Jews. It came from them. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an eye-opener for a lot of people to realize that, Jewish, that Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. You know, they say that when they're witnessing to uh, Muslim people around the world, and they're teaching them about the gospel and about Jesus, that, that they say, on a whole, they're all surprised to learn that Jesus was a Jew. When they witness to Muslims, when they witness to Jewish people, Jewish young people, over in the land, you know, and here in America, and over in Europe, when they witness to Jewish young people who get saved, those Jews later on say they were surprised to learn that Jesus was a Jew. Seems incredible, doesn't it? But... They, they thought that maybe he was like Roman or something, or Latin. or You know, he must have been Italian, right? Because that's the biggest Christian witness in the world. Yeah, yep. He's all those things. So, salvation is of the Jews. Now, the present condition of our country and of our world is owing to the fact that all that we've been given through Abram, through Moses, through the writers of the Bible, through the, event, the eventual predicted Messiah, through his teachings, the teachings of the apostles, the condition of our present world is because we have rejected that. You know, if you just take yourself out of the context of being an American and having a constitution and all of that, just you look at the big picture of what God has been doing in the world, you know, 
Here's here's Jesus. And 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 here's here's Paul. Okay, and, and then you have the church here. All God has been doing is using the Jews to teach the world about his revelation of himself through the Bible so that they might be saved and be brought into the church of God. But today, the present condition is because we have rejected that. Now, um, today, the Jewish people, they don't have anything that they used to have. They don't have a temple. They do have their land, part of it. They don't have a temple. They don't have a priesthood. They don't have a sacrifice. That is, when they, when they uh, celebrate Passover, they don't have a, a Paschal lamb. They don't have that to sacrifice. Uh, so they just basically have ceremonies that they do, their holidays. When they keep the, the greatest day of the year, you know, the, the, the Day of Atonement, they don't have a sacrifice for that. They don't have anything. Because the sacrifices have ceased. So they have no means of forgiveness. Because without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So if you ask me the question, what happens to the Jews who are persecuted and killed by Hitler and by his machine? uh, What happens to them when they die? It depends on whether or not they were in Christ. Even in that condition. As... As hard as that is for us to hear and as hard as that is for us to comprehend, that's truth. That's Bible truth. Um, the Word of God to us is precious, but to the Jews, they have the Old Testament and most of their people, probably about 50%, you know, I've, I've recently quoted that survey that was done in Israel most of their people are not even interested in what their own book says. Their book is the Old Testament, originally written in Hebrew. They don't have an open vision. They don't have any fresh teaching from the Bible. What they do have is they have rabbis and they have cults and things like that. And they have rabbinical tradition. In Sunday school, just last Sunday, we studied that the Jews were taught, according to rabbinical tradition, that you were supposed to forgive somebody three times. And after that... You had no more obligation to forgive. Remember, and Jesus taught how many? Seven times 70. So Jesus is saying, you keep on forgiving, keep on forgiving. So he was kind of like destroying that tradition of the rabbis during his earthly ministry. And then they, uh, they say also, I learned about that, uh, the Jewish teaching and their traditions. is They also taught that if you want to be forgiven by God, you first have to seek out the person that you've offended. And if that person that you've offended will forgive you, then you can come to God, seek His forgiveness, and receive that you know, through the temple worship. But all of that's gone. And that's, that's not true anyhow. You see, they have no open vision. They have no understanding of their own book. So guys, if you think that you're going to get on a YouTube channel that's taught by a rabbi, are, are you hearing me? And you think, I'm gonna, well, I'm going to sit and listen to a Hebrew man Teach me the Old Testament. He's, he's got to have kind of like an edge on this thing or, you know, a special... No, he don't. He don't. You need to learn from somebody who's been born again, called to teach and preach the Word of God, has the Spirit of God 
illuminating because that rabbi, if he does not believe in Jesus as his Savior, he can't even understand that book. Right? 1 Corinthians 7. Yeah. Right. So he's got to be a Messianic Jew, believe in the Messiah. Yeah. And if that's the case, then yes. But if it's just a Jewish rabbi, mm -mm. but right. But do we hate him? No, absolutely not. Yes, 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 it is. Like the imam of the Muslims, or the priest of the uh, either the Orthodox Church or the Roman Catholic Church. Yes, and it's the same with them. If they're not born again. They have nothing to teach. And I was going to bring in, Brother uh, Gary had brought up a question. Why do the Catholics teach that it's faith plus works? Like, how did they get there? And it was a really good question, and I'm going to get back to that. But um, one thing I want to give is, as evidence is, uh, I was listening to the, the preacher that taught me uh, from Pensacola Bible Institute, one of the, one of the preachers down there. Um, he was a Roman Catholic before he got saved, and he has all kinds of documentation of the history of the Roman Catholic Church, and he has documentation of times where Catholic uh, cardinals got together and were talking about how they should handle the common people, and, and their, their statements on record from Roman Catholic cardinals convened together to talk about this, you know, their councils or what have you. And they talk about, we cannot give the Bible to the common man, because if they get the Bible and they start reading it, they'll realize that what we're teaching is different. And they will realize this, and I'm going to get this statement, uh, because it's, it's damaging it's, but, uh, to their, to the, to, to their uh, teachings. But they, they say out of their own mouths, they will realize that what we teach is actually a, a contrary to the Bible. It actually goes against the Bible. So what the Catholic Church teaches is not even biblical in some cases, especially about salvation. So, how do they get it wrong? Why do they get it wrong? I will try to get back to you on that and give very, uh, I'll try to give it uh, well documented in my answers. So, now. Yeah. Yeah. And they have answers for all those things. Yeah. They have, they'll give you scripture to answer it. And uh, see, they have followers. Mm -hmm. All these religions, so they're being taught wrong. Mm -hmm. But they've got a group of people that follow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and he made me go to their church. Yeah. And so, it, you know, look, we, we have Brother Randy here. He spent years attending Catholic masses, and he you don't learn anything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so. Right, because we want to. Protestants want to get the Bible into the hands of people, and so. But you, but, kind of help me to understand where you're going with this. Are you? Well, he was just talking about how it was back in the, the Jews. Yeah. But see, we kind of have that now too. Ah. Uh, yes. They have followers. Yes. Um, that's being taught wrong. Just like they worshipped, you know, their, their gods. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So like Paul in, in the book of Galatians, he was combating the, the religious teachings of his day that Jesus also went against. And, 
And those were the Jewish people, the scribes and the Pharisees, who were following rabbinic traditions. A rabbi is a Jewish teacher, kind of like a Jewish pastor. So it's the same thing, only today, it's, it's uh, at least not in our part of the world, it's not the Jewish rabbis or the, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees that, that we should preach against. We need to preach against religion. Because religion is damnable. It's, it's, uh, this is not a, not a religious book. Um, this Paul, is, like you're saying, Paul's doing the same thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing is that God will deal with you based on how whether or not you receive the truth when you hear it. You know, and just the state of Israel today, just think of that, you know, some of the things that you've heard recently in the news. We know that there are jihadists that are currently plotting uh, new uh, rocket attacks against Israel, against their citizens. Right now they are planning to uh, launch more rockets at Israeli civilians. When you hear about it on the news, it's all about the Palestinians and the Israelis. But we know about it from the Bible, what the true perspective is. You also have the Palestinian Authority openly threatening war. Okay? You won't hear about that. Yeah. Okay, they said it on the news tonight that they're going to wipe them off the face of the earth. Hezbollah. Yes. Yeah, and President Biden is actually empowering Israel's enemies by giving just, what, billions of dollars to Iran. And uh, that's, that's the apple of God's eye, the nation of Israel. And what, what are we doing? We're sending tax dollars to fund the jihadist holy war against those people. It's, it's sad. Now, those are things we know, right? That's a betrayal, Against Israel. That's what we're doing right now as a country. Of course, we would not do that. Yes, and it's a betrayal against God and His Word, isn't it? That's true. Mm hmm. Yeah. He said the first part of the Ten Commandments are all about him and love. Second part of the uh, Ten Commandments is about us and loving our neighbors. Mm -hmm. Love yourself and love your neighbor. Yeah. And, and we got that. Him, he said that if his people, when he brought them out of Egypt, would have realized what he had given them, they would have never served the golden calf. Yeah. Yeah, and we got that from the Jews. Think about that. Like I think about how I treat my neighbor today. It's just ingrained in me. That's the royal law, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. So, all right, well, let me just read. I'm, I'm done here tonight, but let me read these verses to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Right, and it's still, it's like, it's just what was in here, and we're still seeing it today. It's like it's, it's Abraham and Ishmael, right? Abraham and Isaac. 
Okay, so some people say this. I have to say this before we close. But some people say that, uh, that Israel is, has uh, been set aside and completely replaced by the church. Just want to read these three verses. Just for anyone that may be listening and, and has been taught otherwise. Just listen to what the Bible says. Just three verses and we'll, we'll close. The children of Israel shall abide many days... Without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, without teraphim. Now that's Israel predicted, Hosea chapter 3 verse 4, that they will go through a time, many days. But does that say forever? No, it just says many days. They will get those things back. They will have a king back. Here's another one from Luke chapter 21. Quote, trodden down of the Gentiles until... The times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So yes, they're being trodden down now. We're in the times of the Gentiles. That will close at the end of the tribulation. But it says until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So there is an end to this present uh, situation with Israel. And then Paul says, blindness in part, in part, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so, all Israel shall be saved. So, it's, it's saying that what is going on right now in God's program is temporary. Then God will get back to the Jews. Alright? Let's go ahead and uh, close there in prayer. And I'm going to get back to Brother Gary on that question there. And any questions that you bring up, if they're too hard for me to answer right away, I promise you I'll do my very best to come back with an answer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time together. And uh, Lord, just some information that we need to go through. We need to think about um, the reality of these things. And Lord, I thank you for it. Thank you that we have the truth. But Lord... um, Help us to do something with the truth that we have. Because these are, these are serious, serious things. That all these people that are, that are just deceived by religion. Lord, they're, they're, they're not your children. And we have the truth. And God, I pray that you'd help us to, to do what we can. I know we can't do everything, but to do what we can. To uh, be a witness to the truth that is in Jesus Christ, and help us to do it in a way that really represents Christ well. Help us not to, to put a black eye on, on the name of Christ, but help us to do it in a way that we really represent you well. And, and I pray, Lord, you'd use us, use every one of us to bring somebody to heaven with us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.